Have you ever been invited into something and it changed your life? For, for me, I think back on my sophomore year of high school that, that I took photography and journalism as two classes. And I really enjoyed what I was learning, and, and my teachers saw my enthusiasm and my love for what they were teaching. And so I'll never forget that spring semester, there was a knock on my Spanish class door, and there was a gentleman, he came, and they asked me to go in the hall, and everybody's like, oh, what did Chris do? You know, you, you've done something, you're in trouble now. But I walked out in the hall, and there that day, I met Mr. Max Weber. Mr. Weber was the yearbook advisor, and he simply said, Hey, I hear that you have an interest in photography and journalism, and I would like to invite you to be a part of the yearbook staff. I tell you what, that was a pivot in my, a turning point, a pivot in my life, that it, it changed the trajectory of, wh- of where I was headed. And so I can tell you uh, with enthusiasm that I, I remember that conversation um, vividly. And I remember him taking me under his wing and, and him teaching me the things of what a good photo looked like and, and going out and practicing that and, and just having him take me under his wing and loving encourage me. I later went on to become the editor, the photography editor of my high school yearbook. I began to take on assignments for the newspaper occasionally. And then right after I graduated, I went to work for the Sumter Item and I worked there for seven and a half years. And so think about that this morning. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've been invited into some place or something and it changed your life? There's a time in the Bible that that happened. And so I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And as you're turning there, I just want to remind you, simply remind you that Matthew is a tax collector turned disciple. You see, he, he was of that uh, society, in society, he was one of those that was looked down on, that, that people didn't want to be around. I mean, how many of you enjoy going and seeing the tax man or hearing the tax man calling even today? And so isn't it amazing that God can take anybody and he can turn them into a disciple. He turned them into a penman that wrote the very first book of the New Testament, of which we're still, um, we're still preaching and teaching and, and being encouraged by. And so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, let's look at verses 18 through 22. This is in the section right after it kind of give you a, a glimpse of what's going on here in the text. So John the Baptist has prepared the way for Jesus. In, in chapter 3, we see the baptism of Jesus. And then in chapter 4, we see uh, the temptation of Jesus. That Satan, the enemy, he takes him to the hill and he says, look, you see this kingdom, you see all of this and it could be yours. And, and he basically just says, you know, get behind me, Satan. Uh, this, the, as it's written uh, in the word that you should not put the Lord your God to test and you shall love the Lord your God and you shall serve him only. And so here in the latter half of chapter four, we see the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And in chapter 18 is where we want to dive in this morning. So read with me as we read uh, God's word. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. 
And so as we, as, we, as we dive in this morning, what a beautiful picture of what we see in Scripture. First, I just want to remind you of where they're at. It, the Scripture tells us that they were on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest-lying freshwater lake on earth. And there was a wealth of fish. It was a prime fishing spot. So hold that in the back of your mind. I mean, they knew when they went and they cast their nets that they were going to catch something. Then in verse 18, we also see that they were fishermen. They were fishermen. But here's one thing I want you to see as we see about Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, and we see there this calling, that he's calling them to follow him. You see, as we read this passage in isolation, it may seem abrupt. However, Simon Peter and Andrew knew of Jesus. They were associated with John the Baptist. But this this passage that we're looking at this morning is their definitive call to follow him. It's a call to something different. It's a call to something better. It's a call to something more. And I want to remind you this morning that Jesus is still calling men and women, boys and girls, unto himself. He's still calling them and he still delights in them coming to him as as a child. I think it's important to note as we study this passage that we see here what in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They neither hesitated nor delayed. They weren't indecisive. They simply followed Jesus. You know, for me, is where we wound up in the text this morning came out of my personal and private quiet time. As we talked about thus far uh, leading up to a new year is why do we desire corporately and collectively what we don't desire personally and privately? And so if I'm going to, uh, I got to practice what I preach. And so I'm thankful that I've been able to sit down and, and spend some time in God's word and read through walk through the word, which is taking me through the New Testament. And as I read this, I simply wrote down the phrase, what have you left behind to follow Jesus? That's where this message comes from this morning, and and he's gripped my heart. But see, here's the thing I want you to see, that there was a connection. There was a connection. Even though maybe Jesus, here he's calling Simon Peter, he's calling Andrew, and he's calling them to follow him, but there was a previous connection with him. You see, his reputation preceded him. Jesus' reputation preceded this conversation. It it, it preceded this scene in the Bible. And, And I simply want to remind you this morning that your reputation precedes you. You know, what is, what is your reputation? When you walk into the room, do people say, oh my? Or do people say, oh, we're glad you're here? You know, Jesus walked into the room. He walked into the situation and his reputation preceded himself. I want you to see this morning, there's one key word that kind of, that we, that I've already kind of spoken about, that there was an invite. Right, that Jesus has invited them. He's calling them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Not only is there an invite, but there's an interruption. There's an interruption. And so I simply just wrote this in my notes, that the interruptions in our lives are an invitation to follow Jesus. The interruptions in our lives are an invitation to follow Jesus. They're an invitation to be like Jesus. They're an invitation to reflect Him, to listen like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus. 
So what if we began to see the interruptions in our day, not as misfortune, not as being frustrating, but what if we saw them as opportunities, opportunities to listen to those around us, opportunities to to hear what other people are saying, opportunities to pray with other people. I mean, just this week at Chick-fil-A, I met Mr. Fred Huth. He's 96 years young. He's been preaching and teaching for 75 years. He's been at the same church for 55 years. He must not have very many deacons anywhere, or at least not the same deacons. Maybe he's outlived them. But anyway, that's another point. But listen, as I met this gentleman, what a precious saint of God that, that he realized that I realized through talking to him and I'm thankful for that, that conversation that I had. And he just reminded me to remain faithful, to remain faithful of what God has called us. And so I had the opportunity to pray with him and he had the opportunity to share some, some scripture and some nuggets of wisdom with me. And, and I'm thankful for that. Again, we could see things in our lives as interruptions, but what would, what would our lives be like if we saw them rather as opportunities, as invitations from Jesus to be Jesus to that person standing in front of us, to, to, to love and to forgive, to, to listen just like he did. I also think what's beautiful in this passage, which we're quick to, to miss with a, with a quick reading, and that is that Jesus does three things here. He summons them. He summons the disciples. He promises to equip them. And he commissions them. Friends, just like these first disciples of Simon Peter, Andrew, and James, and also John. He's summoning us. He's calling us. And he's promising that he will use what we've been through for his glory. And he's commissioning us to go. Not to remain where we are, not to remain as we are, not to remain stagnant, but he's calling us to go. He he is summoning us, he's promising us that he will equip us, and he's commissioning us to go. You see, one thing I love about Jesus was, as we see in this passage, that he was straight to the point. But also one thing I want you to see this morning was that he was intentional and that he was investing in the lives of those he called. You know, I think about this morning, outside of the Bible, there's probably one book that has radically changed my life and and changed the ministry that God has called me to. And that is a book called Growing Up, How to Be a Disciple Who Makes Disciples. And so we throw around, as we talked about already, we throw around the, the notion that Jesus was a disciple maker, that, that we're to be disciples. And sometimes that gets lost. We just gloss over that. But in essence, Jesus is the master teacher. He, he is the discipler who is investing in our lives. And so we need to be that student. We need to be that student of Jesus to learn from him. And so I want to share with you something that Galatee shared in this book. As he talked about uh, the difference in Sunday school classes and Bible studies, you know, those are great. And that's a next step for someone who needs to grow in their faith. But ultimately, ultimately, he talks about this thing called a D group or the discipleship group. And so that is the end result of, of taking three or four, five people at most that are the same gender and walking faithfully with them for a year, studying scripture together, investing your lives in one another, just like Jesus did. 
We see it in scriptures. That's what he did. He called these men from being fishermen and he called them to something more. He called them to something better. And so I want you to hear what Robbie Gallaty says in um, growing up, making disciples who make disciples. He says this, he says, a teacher shares information while a discipler shares a life. A teacher aims for the head while a discipler aims for the heart. A teacher measures knowledge while a discipler measures faith. A teacher is an authority while a discipler is a servant. And a teacher says, listen to me, while a discipler says, follow me. You see, friends, Jesus was the master discipler. That was his mission to make people to be more like him. And we need to be on that mission as well. We need to be disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus. And so I want to ask you, Bethel, this morning, is Bethel Baptist Church making disciples? Are we making disciples? As I've had conversation with young, old men, women, black, white, in this church and in this community, I, I think there's an um, indictment that could be handed over that maybe we aren't. As I heard one precious senior saint say recently, we could do better. And I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we could. And so that starts with the text. That starts with Jesus. That starts with understanding who he is and, and what he's called us to do. Galilee went on to say in, in the book, he said that Jesus pulled no punches when it came to discipleship. He was blunt and crystal clear about it. Following him, listen, is a choice. A choice that requires sacrifice, commitment, and making him number one priority of our lives. You see, friends, I hope and pray that I will never preach. It is a simple gospel, but I hope and pray that I will never be guilty of of preaching a prosperity gospel, of health, wealth, and prosperity. Name it and claim it. You pray it and you're going to get it. No, because what do we see here that Galilee is reminding us? He's reminding us that the clear call to follow Jesus is one where there will be sacrifice, There will have to be commitment and we're going to need to find a way to make him number one priority in our lives. As we think about Jesus this morning, as we think about this beautiful passage of him calling the first disciples, you know, I just began to write down these key words. First, there was that he invited them. He he involved them in the ministry that he was involved in. Then he began, as he involved them, that he was instructing them in the ways of his father. And then last but not least, he turned them loose. You see, there was an invitation. He involved them, he instructed them, and he turned them loose. That, that's what the church is supposed to be about. That, that we're to invite you to connect with God and to connect with one another, to continue to, to seek Jesus. And as you are, we're going to involve you and we want to invite you into our lives and into our groups and into our Sunday school classes, and into our homes and, and to sit at our tables. And while we do, we're going to, to love and to encourage you. We're going to involve you in our lives. We're going to instruct you in what we see in the Bible and then We're going to turn you loose. See, it's not just about more information. It's about transformation. It's about us becoming more like Jesus and representing him wherever we go. 
Galilee touches on the master's model. And let me just touch on this. It's, it's kind of a little bit, uh, probably better phrase than, than what I just shared, but he talks about the master's model. And, and I want to give you these four key words, similar to what I just shared, but a little bit more pointed. First off, Jesus shows, he involves, he guides, and he watches. You see, Jesus ministered while the disciples watched. So he's showing them how to do ministry. He's showing them how to love the unlovable, to, to love the least of these. He's showing them how to, to lead and to love in the face of opposition. Jesus then progressed to allowing the disciples to assist him in ministry. From there, the disciples ministered and Jesus assisted them. And, you know, you think about that. The God of heaven came down to earth as a babe born in a manger, became a man, sinless life, showed us the way we're supposed to live. And here is, as Galilee points out, that the disciples ministered and Jesus watched. And and he assisted them. And then lastly, Jesus observed as the disciples ministered to others. But you know what? As we think about this morning, as we look at this text, that when he called these gentlemen, that they were fishermen. They were fishermen. And can I remind you of what God does? Just like with these fishermen, they were common, ordinary men that he used to turn the world upside down. Friends, I, I, my prayer is this morning, there is someone listening that you will realize that you do not need a degree, a pedigree. It doesn't matter your family name, where you've come from, what you've been through, but that Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you and he can use you if you're willing. He's looking for vessels for whom his glorious life-changing gospel would flow to others. Are you willing to be open to allow that to happen? As I think about that this morning, about Jesus using common, ordinary, everyday men, I'm reminded of what we're told in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so that leads me to this question this morning. Can anybody recognize that you've been with Jesus. When you come to church, when hopefully you have a quiet time as you're seeking Him throughout the week, as, as you go into your family gatherings, as you go into your workplace, as you go into the grocery store, as you wait in line in traffic, is there something different about you? Can someone tell that you've been with Jesus? They were common, ordinary, uneducated men. And can I remind you that God is still using the same? Who are we to say who God can use and and how God can use them? We just need to have faith and to trust him. There are some of you that are stepping up and taking next steps. Praise the Lord. You're you're sharing how you hope God worked this coming year as we talked about in last week's message. There's some of you that are stepping up to fill voids. And listen, that's the thing that we need to be about in the churches. That it's not that we come and we gripe and we complain about what's missing, but rather who, what is our heartbeat? What, what breaks our heart that breaks the Lord's? And that's should be our prayer. Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours. What has he given you? What has he instilled inside of you that you can begin to take and to use and and to minister those who maybe be like, that are like you or have been through that similar situation. And and just like, I want to remind you that story of Mr. Fred Huth this morning. He's 96 years young. And as as he told me, he says, I'm not retiring. God still got work for me to done to do. And so can I remind you this morning that no matter how old 
old you are, whether you're a, whether you're a child, a teenager, a middle age, or a precious senior saint here at Bethel, God still has work for you to do. He, he still is wanting to change lives. He's still wanting you to follow him. He still has things that he wants to show you. He still has things that you need to repent of. He, he, he still has things that are yet to be unseen that are just waiting. As scripture says, we have not because we ask not. We talked about in the previous weeks as we looked back on the last year and we look forward to this year that what, that God can do far more abundantly than we ask or think. So I hope and pray that you'll remember that this coming year. You see, what about you? When you meet Jesus, our hearts change. When when we meet Jesus, our minds change. When when we meet Jesus, our desires change. When we meet Jesus, our priorities change. You see, you can't meet Jesus and remain the same. He's calling you to something more. He's calling you to something bigger. He's calling you to something better. He, he's calling you to the, 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 the heaven, that the, the ways of heaven may become the ways here on earth, that, that his will and, and his way in heaven may be done here on earth. And he's calling each and every one of us to that. And, and so that may, begins to make me think, you know, if, if when we meet Jesus, our hearts and our minds, our desires and our priorities change, you know, I, I have to beg the, to ask the question, What are you treasuring? And what I think is beautiful is in Matthew's gospel, if you still have your copy of God's word open or you still have your app nearby, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. And there we see this all-important passage where Jesus is teaching and he says under the category, under the heading of lay up treasures in heaven. And he tells us, he tells the people, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, and we see it in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As some terms, you cannot love God and money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money itself is not evil, but it's the love of money that is evil. So, so is one of the questions I kind of asked as we've been studying this passage for me as I read this, and just one question that popped to mind is, what did you leave behind to follow Jesus? Here, what's beautiful in this passage in Matthew chapter 4 is we see this fisherman, they've gone to the best place. I mean, it's like Pax Landing when maybe the crappie are biting or, or the bass are, are, are ready to be caught, right? And, and this is prime time and it's the best place to catch and, and they're there in this season. And so what we see is that Jesus comes along and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. You see their desires and their wants and and their priorities, they changed. And so I want to ask those of you this morning that are followers of Jesus, I want you to think on this question, what did you leave behind to follow Jesus? I asked my Facebook uh, friends that this week and, and, and my friend Kale, she said that 
the thing that she left behind to follow Jesus was my plans because his are so much better. Wow, thank you, Kale, for that reminder that, that, that we have to leave behind our plans and our wishes. Why? Because his ways are not our ways and, and his ways are higher than ours. And, and we just need to seek him and continue to make much of him. Others said that they left behind the fear of death. They left behind worldly ways. Uh, one gentleman I was talking to recently told me about his drug addiction and, and how he, when he met Jesus, that his life was radically changed and, and he just, he, he had that repentance. He had that change of heart and, and he turned to the Lord and, and he asked for forgiveness and those drugs and those things were, were left behind and, and he doesn't have that temptation. He doesn't have that desire. He's leaving those behind and he's, he's focusing and he's seeking Christ. Christ, what did you leave behind to follow Jesus? For me, as I think about my own story, I think in, in 2010, October of that year, when I rededicated my life to Christ and, and I realized what I realized in that moment of the, where God had to take me through that season of, of waiting and, and chiseling away at my heart was that I couldn't do it on my own. Right. Like I, I could talk to anybody. I've been able to talk to people my whole life. My mom would go shopping at Hamrick's and, and Florence and, and I would sit up front and there would be grandpa who his wife was shopping and I would strike up a conversation with him. I, I've never met a stranger and just I would enjoy talking to him. And so I've always been able to talk to people and and I've gotten to know some influential people in the community. But what God taught me in that moment was no matter what I wanted, no matter what I desired, no how much I could talk, no matter who I knew that's not where the answer to life lies. That's not where my eternal security lies. And he took me to the end of myself and I realized that I was in need of him. What did you leave behind to follow Jesus? You know, as we begin to kind of wrap up this morning and and we think through just following Jesus. I think this is a radical passage. I mean, even again, when we see James and, and John, it, it, they, they immediately left their boat and their father, and they followed him. They, they didn't hesitate. They didn't say, hey, hold on, Jesus, let me pray about that. I mean, a lot of times I hear preachers, uh, and I've heard it said too, you know, you go to somebody and say, hey, we'd like for you to be involved in this ministry. And the first answer out their mouth is usually always, well, let me pray about that. But my question to you this morning is, do you really pray about that? Or is that just something that you just pump the brakes to get that person to kind of step back? Because Jesus is calling us to something more. He's calling us to something better. He's calling us to love radically. He's calling us to love those that are the least of these and to help those that he is placing in our path. So I want to kind of close this morning. I want to ask you this question. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, first, I'd submit to you that we're going to have to leave behind things that we love. Just like Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, they had, they were fishermen. That's their trade. That's how they made their living. That's what they did, but they were willing to leave that behind and to trust and to follow Jesus. I think about my dad who likes to sing and he enjoys singing. He has a radio show on WSSC in the morning called Mike in the mornings. He sings from time to time with the Believer's Quartet. But, but Dad sings a song that's very close and personal to him. And it's called, Thanks to Calvary. 
as I think this morning of what does it look like to follow Jesus, that we're going to have to leave behind the things we love. And, and listen to the lyrics of that song that my dad will sing. Today I went down to the place that I used to go. Today I saw the same old crowd I knew before. And when they asked me what happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. You see, friends, when Jesus comes into your life and he becomes your all, he becomes your priority, he becomes your everything that your wants and your needs and your desires and your priorities, they change. He disrupts your calendar, he disrupts your wallet, and you are focused on following him and doing what he would have you to do. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? We're going to have to leave behind things we love. But also, as we study this story about the fishermen this morning, as we study about Simon, Peter, Andrew, John, and James, and we think about them being fishermen, I want to remind you that when we follow Jesus, secondly, that he's going to use what we've learned for his purposes and his kingdom. You see, friends, what you've gone through in your life, the pain, the suffering, the valleys, the mountaintops, it's not for naught that God wants to use those for his glory. Just like these fishermen in verse 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They went from being just fishermen trying to get a catch that they were going to be, they were going to turn the world upside down about seeking and making much of Jesus because he is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And while we live in a world and a day and a time that that, that is not acceptable, it's still the truth. Thus saith the word of God. It's still the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so can I remind you this morning that not only are we going to have to leave behind some things that we loved, but I want to remind you this morning that he's going to use those experiences. He's going to use those things that we've learned. He's going to use those tools that we have in our belt. He's going to use those those tears. He's going to use that pain. He's going to use that suffering. He's going to use that joy. He's going to use that excitement. And he is calling you to something bigger. He's calling you to something better. He's calling you to something more. And he's calling you to follow him. See, friends, that's where it simply starts, that we're to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for... Just technology, Lord, to be able to connect your people with one another. Father, I pray this morning as we preached and taught about what it means to follow you. Lord, I pray if there was one watching this that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, has never truly followed you, counted the cost, and and realized that you're calling them to something more. You're calling them to something better. You're calling them to be loved by you, to be used by you, to, to enjoy the fullness and joy there everlasting if they'll remain and abide in you. Father, it's all about you. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's one that was listening that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they, they, they would. And if they have, Father, I would love to celebrate that with them. Lord, for those of us who know you, may we realize that you have called us to something more and something better. Father, that you have called us to, to live out a plan and purpose to be used by you. And so, Father, I pray this morning 
that, that there's some nugget of wisdom, there's some truth, there's some verse, there's something that was heard that, that would just be lodged in the hearts and minds of one of the listeners that they would realize as they go into this coming week that you want to use them for your glory, use them as a vessel of hope and encouragement to point others back to you. And so, Father, I pray as we've received your word, may we respond to it. Lord, may we meditate on it. May we marinate on it. As Derwin Gray says, that, that we, we would turn it over in our hearts and minds, but more importantly, that we would live it out this coming week. And so, Father, I thank you for watching over us. I pray for safety with the ice and, and the freezing rain. For those that are traveling, I pray for those that, Lord, we have so many blessings to be thankful for, for having houses with heat and, and warm blankets when those, there are those without. And so, Father, I just pray that you would keep us safe. Lord, that you would continue to guide us in spirit and truth. Lord, that we would continue to go about our ways, pointing others to you. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.